The dates for the next Million Dollar Sundays are locked in. Wondering what a million bucks looks like? Every Sunday in October, America's Card Room is putting $1 million guaranteed on the table. On Sunday, October 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th, we're bringing our famous Million Dollar Sunday, a $1 million guaranteed poker tournament with a gigantic $200,000 cash prize for first place. Don't miss out on your biggest payday yet. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 60 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back, then simply sign up for your account at AmericasCardRoom.com using one of the adverts on OneOuter.com. Alex is also offering a lot of special extras if you sign up through our link as well. So check that out at the end of the podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are available on iTunes for free and the OneOuter.com website. If you want to send questions in for Alex on future shows, then just email them to questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them or Facebook them to me and we'll get them read out. Alex, uh, this is our first show in a while that we started doing, like, caught up with ourselves. We had a few in the can. Um, I've been away to China and Hong Kong, and you've been doing WCOOP. So um, how is everything? And we'll, we'll get straight into WCOOP uh, sort of recap, if you can. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, WCOOP was WCOOP. Oh, yeah, happy to be here all that good stuff. Sorry, sorry guys, if I sound a little uh, under the weather today. Uh nor normally I don't want to let y'all know like what's going on with me. I just uh, I've been fighting off something, so if I I have a little quiver in my throat today, forgive me. But uh, yeah, you know W Coop was W Coop. It was uh, it, it was fine. It, it was, uh, I didn't play nearly as many events. I tried to I really broke myself during the scoop, so this time I tried to actually have fun with it and. Uh, you know, there was uh, there were opportunities. I had a few caches. I got really deep in the Zoom uh, tournament like I always seem to. Uh, people really play those Zoom tournaments pretty poorly. Uh, if they didn't make them turbos, I think. The, the thing that drove me nuts about turbos is, you know, you make one mistake, that's pretty much the tournament. I had... I ranged one guy, like, uh, a friend of mine, like, incorrectly in one hand... I, I don't know, yeah, he had a very, uh, he made a call I didn't expect him to do, so I didn't fire a triple barrel on the river, which I would have done if I knew he was calling that wide down, and, you know, when I saw the hand he had, I was just disgusted, and then, you know, if it was a normal tournament, I'd still have 30, 40 big blinds, but since it's a turbo zoom, you just have nothing, I, you know, I finished out, like, mm. 70th or 50th or whatever, uh, I got deep in a few others. I got, you know, I cashed a few others, but it just, you know, it, 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 it was good. I like the main event, like, uh, uh, like if you watch me play the main event, I like one tabled. I watched every hand over and over again. I, I was, uh, I was hunched over taking notes. Sometimes I'd even put those notes up on the screen just so people could see, you know, what kind of notes I'd be taking. And you know, mm -hmm. it, it um, I had I had certain things. I I did like Jared Tendler's like warm ups and stuff like that, uh, something he works on, and uh, you know, it worked out pretty well for a lot of my sessions. Just focusing on specific things that I'm filtering out for, and I I have found some leaks that a lot of people have, and I'm exploiting them and I'm removing them from my game. So that was that was pretty satisfying to see work out. I did final table a million dollar tournament. It just wasn't on uh, <laughs> Poker Stars. It was on uh, uh, America's Card Room, which actually has pretty decent structures. I final. That's right. I, I I read that on Twitter. I think I sent you some sort of. I just remembered there. I think I sent you some sort of message like I go away and you start finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. So talk us talk us through that. Sorry for interrupting. Oh there. no, I just it's remember, right. good. I remember just like catching it like when I was online at one point when I was away and like oh fuck like and I didn't I actually didn't see no I did see the result I remember it now yeah yeah it was uh, for those that don't know yeah no uh, I I final tabled I didn't have a ton in chips uh, just not a whole lot was. A lot of different stages of that tournament just didn't really go that well, but because the structure, 
the thing I like about America's Card Room tournaments is the structure is pretty slow, and it gives you time to recover if you're not catching hands, which helps uh, the best players. And it also helps just like serious amateurs as well, you know, like guys who, uh, like businessmen who like, you know, they really take their online poker seriously. And first place is 25%, you know. Now the flip side of that is you get to a final table where, uh, you know, first place is 200,000 and like ninth is like 12, right? And, uh, you, and, uh, yeah, a anyway, long story short, I, I finished ninth. Uh, I just had nothing really go right for me at the final table. I posted on, you know, like, of course that's a pretty heartbreaking moment. So I like, I posted, I, I posted to everyone, like, don't worry about me. You know, like I play poker for a living. Everything's fine. So, some extremely aware chap went, why should we worry about you? You won 12,000 in one night. <laughs> You know, and then I was like, all right. Uh, but, you, you know, that was kind of, you only get a few of those final tables. I've had a few major final tables this year. I, I final tabled the full tail major. I final tabled an F-tops. Uh, you know, the F-tops was for a lot, you know, like it, it was for like a quarter of what this one was for first place. And in the the two other majors, I finished second. And uh, obviously that would have been a lot more money here, but, uh, this is part of the variance of poker that a lot of people don't talk about is you don't really decide sometimes how you finish at the major, major final tables. And that, you know, that can make your year if you have a real showing at the big one. And, uh, you know, not to, not anything really bad happened. Just, you know, a lot of stuff didn't work out. Seemed I kept butting in the hands and whatever. But, you know, it was a, it, it was cool to get the major final table. My mom was here too, so she got to, you know, she was pretty excited about it and all that. My my wife is so funny, you know, she doesn't even, she she knows how up and down this stuff is. So she was like, I'm going, she was like, I'm going to bed. Wake me up if your head's up. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was cool. Uh, you know, during the, uh, during the one outer off season, I also officially signed the book contract with D&B Publishing. So that was pretty cool. Uh, nice. I think I think we talked about that, but you know, like the contracts weren't signed yet, so the contracts yeah. are signed, and yeah, we should. Uh, I, I'm working on it right now. It's I'm trying to write the most comprehensive no limit hold'em tournament uh, strategy book there's ever been, and hopefully and I can su did, succeed. Do I got Do I get a mention in this book? Or? Yeah, we do. You know, this book would have gotten done in <laughs> six months, but, you know, Barry had me waking up at the crack of dawn to do, do this little radio show. But, yeah. yeah. So that's, it. That, that's, that's nice, then. So this is going to be a full published book, Amazon, everything. It's going to be out oh, there. Oh, yeah, everything. Everything, man. Nice, Bookshelves, nice. Barnes & Noble, if they, if they still have bookstores in the States, I don't know. They seem to be that's something that always is weird to me about Las Vegas. Like, I've never seen a bookstore in Las Vegas, ever, anywhere. There was one bookstore I saw once. I walked to it. It was closed, and it had been closed for a long time, right? And I was just, I was like, how can a city subsist, you know? <laughs> like, it is, you, you're inside all the time. You think you would love books. But, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, it's quite funny. There's <laughs> also... The, the gambler's bookstore, I went there when I was in there, and it's just all gambling books. That's quite ironic. Oh, you know? that's weird. I didn't, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even know. Yeah, I went there at the Gambler's Book Club, I think it's called. Um, okay. It's been there in Vegas for like 50 years in some form. They've moved premises a couple of times. And they actually interviewed me about uh, the podcast and poker and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, if anybody's interested in listening to that, um, it's on. It's in the archives. If you just search uh, Barry Jammer's Gambling, Gambler's Book Club, it's either Gambler's Book Club or Gambler's Bookstore. But that was amazing. Um, the guy interviewed me and we went through it and he was you know, very interested in Scotland and stuff. It was funny, like read some wikipedia or equivalent page on scotland and it was like facts you know and did they say this and that and i was like ah no not really well like when i look i went on wikipedia i was trying to make a joke with my friend i was like what's the what's the language on uh what's the language in scotland right and then uh 
it, it said Gaelic, but I hit the pronunciation ga- guide and it said Gaelic. And it was like obviously somebody pulling a joke, trying to sound like they're saying garlic in Brooklyn, right? But it like that, I checked the other day. That's still on Wikipedia, but like yeah. or not the other day. And by other day, I mean months ago. But yeah, it's like you forget, like oh yeah, Wikipedia is a user controlled thing. Like there's really yeah. uh, oh, and one other thing I should mention before we get into the lessons, uh, battle uh, next battle is coming up uh, October seventeenth. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I'm going to be going against Cannon, uh, the Mexican battle rapper there. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be at a boxing gym that's like gotten commendations from Barack Obama and stuff that like that. And it's a uh, yeah, there's a huge stage and everything. And this one, you know, this one's going to be actually the stage and hopefully the large crowds. And you know, we're going to be running up on each other and <laughs> it's going to be. Hopefully it's going to be a it's going to be a big one. I'm working. And will this one be all filmed as well and stuff? Yeah. Yes, sir. I was I have an idea of, you know, since he's uh, we both have like little Spanish bits, right? And it's going to be a large it, there's going to be a large Latino audience there. I was thinking it'd be fun. I might just pay to get this done myself because this wouldn't actually cost that much, considering you know like the the conversion rate between U.S. dollars and. Uh, uh, like Mexican pesos is pretty is pretty good, right? So I was thinking like we could get subtitles in Spanish, and then when we go into Spanish, it would go into English, and then like it could be the first like Spanish English battle, and then yeah. I, I thought that'd be pretty uh, I thought that'd be pretty cool. And then yeah, yeah, I'm working the rounds right now, and it's like the best stuff I've ever written. It's like the first time I've really taken this seriously. I mean, like man, I had like. I had like poetry books open, right? Like trying to figure out how to write some of these games, right? And I was just like, oh man, you got to rhyme that syllable and that syllable. Oh, okay. No wonder my stuff sounded like crap before. Like now it all makes sense. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, I'm practicing it and it's, uh, it's sounding really good. I can't wait to perform it. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be uh, in, you know, this, this is both of ours biggest battle. We're the main event, I, I believe. Yeah. And so good. Uh, should, that'll, that'll should be, be pretty good fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. It should be a good time. Yeah. Um. So that'll all be. You'll be keeping people up to date with that on Twitter and your yeah. Facebook follow and stuff on Twitter. We'll yeah. have the official venue time. It, it, we'll have the official flyer here soon. That'll be all over Twitter. That'll be all over Facebook. And yeah, I know there's a few of you out in Dallas. Uh, they kind of, <laughs> a few of you were like, yeah, yeah, man, I'll be out there for the next for the next one. And then like, you know, a few of them privately messaged me. Yeah, I saw what part of town you guys were doing that in. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to take a pass. You know, <laughs> like, I was like, man, they're fine, man. Like, this is a, you know, this is a totally normal place. Like, these all, you know, these guys, like, they're doctors and stuff. Like, you know, they're just, it, 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 it's, you know, they can't help where they're from, man. Like, he's like, yeah, I know they can. It's a, the surrounding area that scares me, <laughs> parking yeah. my car and finding it up on blocks later, you know. But uh, yeah. this is actually in, like, Dallas proper. This is, like, uh, and this is, like, the community center. So it's, like, you know, it's where everybody's like granny comes to make like <laughs> empanadas and stuff like that. So it's pretty, uh, it's going to be pretty chill this one, but yeah, flyer will be out soon, you know? And if you guys, guys want to come check it out, we should have a pretty decent crowd for it. It should be pretty fun. We got, wait, what's his name? Uh, Carlos. So, sorry, Carlos. I was going to call you Will for some reason, but I was like, that's not right. Car- Carlos said he's. I was like, yo, man, you coming out? Because he always wants to go to the battle rap events. He was like, I'm gonna be there in the Nitmobile. Don't worry, man. It was like <laughs> I was laughing at that one. But yeah, all right, man. We should get into this. Well, you just reminded me about something as well when you said Canon. Um, when I was away, I watched some film. It was excellent, and I I always like to let people know that listen if they're interested in checking anything out that myself or Alex have found interesting, like to watch. It was called Electric Boogaloo, the story of Canon Films. Whoa! And um, it was all about the studio in the 80s, Canon Films, that um, just churned out movies. Like when Universal and uh, Columbia and stuff, they were all doing like eight, nine pictures a year. Canon were putting out like 256. What? Um, and it was like Death Wish, you know, American Ninja, Chuck <laughs> 
<laughs> Chuck Norris, uh, US Invasion USA and stuff. And it was just all about these two guys, the studio owners, these charismatic Israelis that just like went head on to Hollywood. And they turned up at like Cannes Film Festival and like booked out every like float and poster. <laughs> they were like they were like the upstarts, and it's just a really good story and a documentary on that whole period in film in like the nineteen eighties about like this star get this star. They were just churning out you know film after film. They went for quantity rather than quality, but it was the eighties and you know they they hit a few. Uh, gems like Death Wish, Charles Bronson, the first one and stuff, and then they started doing Death Wish five and six, and you know. So yeah, if if you're remotely interested in like eighties nostalgia and action films that you probably remember watching and stuff, um, definitely check out. It's called Electric Boogaloo: The Story of Canon Films, and it's just a really interesting documentary on like some really interesting people. Uh, so you should check that out. That sounds awesome, uh, man. Oh, it is. It is. Definitely watch it. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Let's get into questions then. Um, we do have a few, and I'm going to start right off the top with this guy who is very patient. I'm sure I promised I'd read this out, like, shows and shows ago. Um, so this one is getting read first today. Um, it's from Steve Brennan. Hi, Barry and Alex. I have a question for each of you. First for Alex. So, one of my leaks I'm trying to fix is folding a top pair, bottom set, etc., when I realise that I'm beat. I can usually figure out when I'm behind at some point, but I'm fearful of making that big laydown sometimes. It's gambling it up too much on my end, or not wanting and or thinking I'm being bluffed. What can I do to fix this? I do apologise if this is one of these how-to-play poker questions. Please help. <laughs> <laughs> quite quite a few people say that does. Yeah, I mean, they're afraid, like, Alex is going to go off on it. But, <laughs> no, uh, one thing that really helped me think about it, uh, I, I always think of it as entitlement, which is not, uh, is something I would never want to say I'm an entitled person, but in some way every poker player can be at a certain time. And the entitlement we have is... Uh, it's it's very human. It's I've waited so long for such a good hand. I, I deserve to win with this hand. It, this, you know, eighty ninety percent of the time I win the pot with a set. So I don't think it's fair that this ten percent has fallen down on me right now because I've been running bad. You know, it's a I, I'm due. You know, and uh, I I think most of us don't want to think of ourselves as an entitled person, but. They, we've never put those words to it. Uh, I, it. To my knowledge, I'm the first person who really started addressing it that way. Because in, it's not because, you know, these people are necessarily entitled people. These are not like the snots in the United States that are products of the self-esteem movement who, like, think they're like God's gift to humanity because they, and they've never done anything in their life. Well, I'm talking about it, I, it just occurred to me the eight millionth time I was having a hand history review, and I'd say, like, okay, you're going to bet here with your nut flush on. They go, what, what do I do if he jams? And I'm like, well, you fold. He's like, but I don't want to fold the nut flush straw. And it's, uh, you know, oh, that would just be so sick to fold that much equity. And it, it was like, yeah. and it finally, like, the 10,000th time I heard that, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, what does your personal feeling on the matter do to affect the truth? Like, what, what you know, I, there's a lot of times I, I mean, like, I do it too. Like, I, I, I had like a little meltdown during the WSOP, WSOP main event because it was literally like three hands in a row. Like, I bet folded top two pair on a river. I bet folded like a medium two pair on the river. And the third time I literally bet folded like middle set or something right and i just lost it when the guy jammed on the river right i would just because in my mind i was like he calls with this pair he calls with that pair he calls there was all these pair combinations two pair combinations he calls with and he only checked jams with the backdoor flush right and he checked jammed right and then i was i just you know and i did the same thing i just lost it i like i i started like i cussed myself out i didn't cuss him out but like it was one of those like real life moments I was pretty embarrassed of, right? But it it was super aggravating to wait all year to play the main event and do that. And that, you know, 
I said, I, I said something like, I got $100 in my wallet if you don't have the backdoor flush, right? Uh-huh. And, like, you know, of course, the guy looked, like, really quiet and folded. Like, but, or, you know, I, I, something to that effect, right? And it was just, you know, every, everybody falls victim to it. But at the same time, I'm being really childish there. I'm using myself as the example so you can see I'm not trying to come down hard on you guys because everybody does this. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's really childish to just be like, I can't believe he has it again. Well, I'm going to go against this, right? Which is to say, you know, I mean, it's the same thing as like you get fired from your job for having a bad attitude and you think that's unfair. So you show up there with a baseball bat and beat up the boss's car. Like it's just exacerbating the problem. It's not uh, it's it doesn't really help you with anything. And it kind of proves the point. Maybe you shouldn't your mishandling is going to create more of these situations because your frustration call range is just going to keep being ruthlessly expanded as you keep getting more angered about your plot in life. So I always just remember like I'm acting entitled here. Uh, Part of poker is having really strong hands, uh, butt up against stronger hands and fold. Like anyone can fold when they have a bad hand. Anybody can fold into clear cut situations what you're describing now is the only way you'll ever make money at No Limit Hold'em professionally. I have to bet fold all the time. I bet folded, uh, I mean, actually, the last like few events, I've been, I, I know I've been running bad because I've had to do this a lot. Like there was, uh, I, I over bet folded like half my chips in uh, the second to last WPT I played. And it was, you know, of course the guy showed like the backdoor straight or whatever it was, right? And it's just, you know, like if you can't do that, there's, I ended up going very deep in that tournament. It was very possible I could have cashed. Uh, if you get into these, you know, things have not been the greatest for man, like high stakes MTTs the last like year or two, but the damage is much more controlled because you, you have to make these controlled folds and then you get these, decent caches once once in a while you get a little cash and it pays for a couple buy-ins and you add that up and it's like 20 30 40 buy-ins that's at my stakes that's hundreds of thousands of dollars at some point you know and that's really the only way i stay in the game whereas there's uh i this is anecdotal based on my experience but i swear to god this is true i cannot tell you how many players i knew who were like well, okay, I raised with nines here, and he three-bet, and I knew my hand was bad, but I can't raise full nines. They would just have these rules, right? And it was like, I can't raise full nines, you know, because especially the Americans, like the, you know, the boss or the, the, the horse master general would be like, what are you doing? How dare you raise fold from 17x with nines? You're the worst player ever. And every single one of those players went broke. Because you have to just be more fluid. There are times, uh, I mean, and this also comes with like three-bet folding, right? There was a lot of times like I knew for a fact I'd look under no no caddy. The guy opens every suited ace, king 10 suited plus under the gun, and he flatted most of those hands and small pairs, and I'd have ace-queen suited. And he'd open under the gun, and I'd three-bet and he'd four-bet. And no caddy said his hands that he four-bet with were ace-king, 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 jacks, kings, and aces. None of which I'm doing well against. So I would end up having to fold. But if I, if I showed that hand to 90% of, like, the typical American regs, like, five years ago, right, they, it would have just been, like, an aneurysm. Like, how dare you? How dare you three-bet fold ace-queen suited, Right? When really, there couldn't have been a better way to play that hand. I was maximizing my value versus the weaker parts of the range, and I got away for 4 or 5x when the guy had me beat. But it was just another one of these rules, which was you cannot 3-bet full day screen suited. And you need to get away from the rules. You need to know. You need to trust that inner compass that you have. And one way to exploit your... Uh, one way to exploit your opponent's hand is to fold never forget that imagine when you flop quads and you lead out and six people just snap fold behind you that's an awful feeling a lot of times you will be doing that to your opponents i can i 
I, I can remember games, like, even as early as high school, like, guys just, like, crying. Like, it, you never come along when I have it. And, like, how, how good that felt. And you really need to focus on that. <clears throat> that's it. That's it. I dropped yeah. the mic. I, I dropped the mic. <laughs> I, I, thought you were, I thought you were clearing your throat. Oh, Sorry. yeah, yeah. I, dro- I, I should have dropped the mic then cleared my throat. Sorry. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, got, I got a brush up on my Chris Rock videos. So um, the the main sort of gist of it is for like people to understand and like even when I think back is it's that almost that sickness in people and people that take up the game sometimes that you almost want to see it and feel the pain so you've got the story of like point. oh he backdoor yeah I had you know I had a top set and it comes runner runner flush and like you know a spike call as we used to call it in Scotland and yeah, still spike, you know still just spike. like. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, put the money in. I know I'm beat. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah, okay, nice hand. You know, like that. <laughs> so that the players, it happened live a lot. Um, it, it, you know, at the break, and you hear people going, yeah, I paid them off. And you're like, I knew I was beat, but I just like, you know, like, well, if you knew you step back. If you do know you're beat, you know, like you still put the money in. It's, it's finding this sense in that space, isn't it? Of like going, right. like almost observing yourself and going, you know you're beat here. Like, the only way to make money here is not to put money in. Right, you know, right. It's like, it won't, it's like it, this is why I don't believe in any of that positive thinking garbage. I don't believe in any of that self-esteem crap. The reason I think I saved so many bets, and I mean, you know, I've, I made money, I, I, I mean, like, I've made money from poker for 10 years, right? Like, it, it consistently month in, month out. And I think one of the reasons that is is I have such veritable disgust for myself when I ba- make a bad call. Like, I could not take it. Like, yeah. I, I literally used to not be able to sleep at nights if it was really bad, right? And eventually, you know, but you know who doesn't feel that is a guy who feels great about himself. A guy who feels great about himself is a real positive thinker is that guy who will get 20 in blackjack and go hit me. That's not me, you know? <laughs> I... I, I, I if I make a bad call, even even in cases where it's like the river is the most blank overcard there could be, and there's like three combinations that now beat me, and I check call with like sec, you know second pair top kicker, which totally should be in my check calling range, and I see top pair, I will just hate myself. I will, you know, it will be five minutes later before I've run through the combinations and gone. I don't think any anybody could have folded there, right? But like I'm not, I'm never paying attention to what other people do. If I did what other people do, I, I wouldn't have what I have. There's no other field. There is no field where the guy who follows everybody else is a high wage earner. And I'm really thankful that is not the case in poker as well. And yet there will be people that will stick to these uh, uh, truisms, uh, to these idioms, in poker to these uh, almost turns of phrase that have no application in the real world, these rules that do nothing for them, and they will expect to make my salary. They, they expect that. They fully expect that to follow what everybody else is doing and to make uh, a top-tier salary. That is what they really believe. And it's, no, you have to trust your own inner compass, and you must hate yourself for stupid calls. And I used to do this thing called reminders. Like when I was in wrestling, we, you know, my coach, I, I, and I really miss this in a lot of like young people these days, but like in wrestling, American football and boxing, it was like, you got your, you know, you got your butt kicked a little bit. And it was like, it would just be stuff like, you know, like we left the, we left the locker room dirty, right? I remember this one time and he had a big thing. He was like, you're going to make the janitor clean this. And I, I, he was like, you're going to make the janitor clean this up, right? And he was like, everybody out, right? And we were like, we were supposed to be finishing our practice, right? He made us, you know, run wind sprints back and forth for like 20 minutes until we were dead, right? And in the second we were slowing down, he was in our ear screaming at us, right? Like to the point, like your ear would start whistling or whatever, right? And it was, you, you know, but it was a great lesson of respect, for even, you know, like the person that a lot of people would look down on, the janitor. And also, we never made that mistake again. So, like, I would do stuff like, uh, 
stuff that would hurt. Like uh, my typical run is like three to six miles, right? Uh, there was one time I played a horrible session and I made myself run a half marathon. Like I, I could do that on the Burke Gilman Trail in Seattle. I could map it out, figure out where I had to go, and I did it. And it hurt. Like it hurt really bad, right? But I sure didn't make that mistake the next day. And it's like, yeah, it is a bit of a sickness, I guess, in a different way. <laughs> it's not that I want to show it to anyone else. Like, I hate giving anything to anyone else, not because they, they're those people, but, like, it, it, this is never going to benefit my pursuits. And if this is why I, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me how tactlessly people approach poker when they gave up university for it, when they gave up a job for it. It, that 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 is incredible to me, and they will do those spite calls just to see that they lost, and that yeah. that, that, that to me is preposterous. Yeah, what's worse is if they're staked and they're doing it with other people's money. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> which happened to me a lot. Well, that's the yeah. other thing. Like I, I always back people when I was a kid, and like no fault to the kids I was backing. It was just uh, I, I would back people because uh, one, I felt. They they do this thing in a, uh, they do this thing in all parts of the world where it's like if you have uh, if you have done well uh, you don't deserve it right and you should help everybody else with that and you know everybody from my neighborhood or you know some of the new quote unquote friends would be like you know man help us out right and you know you put them in but it, like they don't have that they don't have that especially if it's not their money uh, if it's not their money they're not gonna you know, what do they care? They want to see the hand. Okay. I call, it's not my money. Okay. Whatever. But like when you're, you know, like if you're like living in a garage with no heating or plumbing, like I was and like, it was like, I got to get out of here. Right. It, like you're going to think long and hard before that call. And then once yeah. you do get out of there and you remember what it was like, you know what I mean? And then, uh, you're you're you don't ever want to go back to there and no no fault to some of the kids I back they just didn't have that and you know they could build that up they could they they could learn that I, I believe a lot of people can learn that it, it depends on what you like I think there's a lot of like you know like Peace Corps and like I, I mean like char charity projects abroad that can teach you a lot of discipline because if you don't have the discipline you will die in a lot of these areas these people go to and I really think that's honestly good for young people. I think that's really beneficial to like be around that. Just even if you're just you know in the camp and really not much could happen to you, you still have to learn. Don't go beside this boundary or whatever. Some way you have to learn discipline, or it could just be it could be walking into a boxing gym and not even like training to fight, just like training. You know, with some guy who kicks your ass, some Somalian guy who's laughing at you and is broken English. That's really good for you. Anyway, all right. Tough love, yeah. kids. And the second question, it was one question for you and one for me. The question for me was, hey, Barry, planning a trip next year with my wife to Scotland, could you recommend a distillery to take a tour of? Sometimes I enjoy a nice single malt when I play online here in New Jersey and thought it would be a fun place to visit one day during our trip. Uh, thanks, guys. Really enjoy your podcast. All the best, Steve. What a, um, what a racist. Just because you're Scottish, you're going to go to the distillery? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the funny thing is, I've never actually been on a distillery tour myself. Um, <laughs> so, that, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, but there are a couple near me. So I emailed you, Steve. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a little sort of like rough idea of where I think like places you should go and check out when you are in Scotland. He's, I'm sure he said he was steer, uh, staying near Edinburgh when he does come here, which is like an hour from where I stay. Um, driving, so there's everything's quite you know, central Scotland and uh, is quite close together, like for main things to go. It's only when you start venturing up to the highlands and stuff where it's hours of driving and hours of driving. But um, I'll I'll dig out a few ideas and I'll speak to people who have been on distillery tours who I know, um, that I would you know see what I can do recommend. And obviously it sounds crazy because I am a Scotsman, but. Yeah, check out TripAdvisor as well. They'll probably do a better job than me, uh, people that have actually been to these uh, distillery tours and stuff. But I'm trying to think if I ever actually went to one when um, I was young at school, you know, like a trip and we <coughs> forgot about it or something. But Or like somewhere where there was a... But I'm sure that was just like... Uh, 
I think, damn, it wasn't a distillery. It was, I don't think they take you to a distillery in, like, high school, you know, it's I, like... I, I love, like, that when you said that to me, I had that knee-jerk American reaction. Like, I could just hear some jackass, like, you can't take the kids to the distillery. But what about the Muslim students? That'll be offensive to them. It's like, it's, um... But, uh, <clears throat> well, and the funny thing here is, like, in America, like, in Seattle, we have no culture, like, no distillery or whatever. So it's like, we're going to go to the crappy place where they make fajitas or wherever, <laughs> you know, like, we don't have a distillery or whatever. Like, it's just, isn't that funny how you never check out the things in your own city? Like, yeah. ever? Like, it's just, yeah. oh, yeah, it's there. And then 20 years goes. And my friend from Germany was like, uh, well, he was uh, actually not. I, I'm going to take this a different route. Forget the German. Uh, like I was reading a Nat Geo Traveler the other day, and they were showing like the islands of the Puget Sound that was literally across the street from me when I was in Seattle. Like I was very close to the water in Seattle. I had a nice place or whatever. I could I could have taken a I could have taken a bus, could have taken a ferry, and I would have been in these islands that were. You know, I, I imagine, like, the very nice islands of Scotland, like, very peaceful, lots of, like, paths to walk down. I never did it. Never did it. Never, you know, uh, ne ne never went on a date there, never did anything. And it's just weird. You know what I mean? It's like I was there for years. Like, I don't know. I, I was telling my wife recently, like, I was, like, spur of the moment thing. Like, we got to, you know, like, let's just go to, like, a nice hotel in San Jose. She was like, why would, you know, why would we do that? We live in San Jose. I was like, yeah, but, you know. We've stayed in the city of Panama City and like uh, in Granada, Nicaragua. It's like we should do it in San Jose. We got to do the Central American tour, you know, and get the, get the nice view, look at the city, drink the champagne, you know. We got to, we, yeah. like, literally all we have to do is like take a bus. We don't even have to drive. It'll cost, it'll cost 50 cents to get down there, you know. Like, <laughs> let's just do it. The other ones cost like hundreds of dollars to get there. It seems kind of silly. We're not taking this low-hanging fruit, but yeah, sorry. I'm going to hijack every time you ever get a question, Barry, just in case. <laughs> I've got to remind you that this is your show, but uh, this so is my show. No, I will put a little list together for you, Steve. In my hometown, there is the big ship Discovery uh, that went to, you know, on the missions and stuff, and it was trapped in the ice, so... Uh, that's interesting to see. Um, and there's a few other bits and pieces nearby that I'll put together a little sort of list um, for you to check out. I'd be better at telling you like good places to eat and like where you get an amazing steak and stuff like that. You know, like, nice. if, you, if you can eat it, I can tell you all the food. <laughs> Fresh lobster yeah. and nice seafood, Scottish seafood and stuff like that. So um, I'll maybe throw a few suggestions in for your restaurants as well. Uh, okay, the next question is from Sky, uh, Sky Matsuyashi, who sent in a few questions before, and he always reminds yeah. you, uh, Alex, of a yeah. person. I always yeah. remember that. Yeah, um, yeah, no, a bet. <laughs> you, do, you re <laughs> do you remember what kind of person? Okay, now let's... I think I think I I do. I think it was an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, or something, uh, was it? not yeah. not not quite that that. Not but, quite. But yes, very right. close. You're on the right track, and it's always I agree. I agree. Yeah. Every, okay. <laughs> every time every time you read the name, I'm like, oh no. Right, like, oh God, this is here comes the troll, right? Like, but yeah, any, anywho. Okay. Uh, okay, the question is, and we do appreciate you. Remember, there's no limit. You can send in as many questions as you want, as frequently or infrequently as you wish. Uh, yo, Alex and Barry, are there any plans for Alex to pick up a new game like PLO or Study or Better? I imagine he's played these before, but probably not as skilled as he is with No Limit Hold'em. If he were to pick up a new game and wanted to excel at it, what's the first step he'd take? You guys rock super hard, Sky. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, cheers. I'm a, I, I'm kind of an idiot savant, so like I, I'm a one-trick pony, and that's no, like I feel like I, I cannot remember the last time I sat at a No Limit Hold'em table, and felt like outclassed. Like I, I'm sure it's happened, but I can't remember. I'm sure it's happened, and I didn't catch it because it was something very subtle, but, like, I've played with Galphon and felt fine, right? And I'm not saying this to, like, up myself. I'm saying, like, one stupid thing you can do 
if you have low self-esteem is just never leave that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can just never pick up a new game because I remember when I was trying to pick up like PLO five years ago, I was like, this is really hard. Like this is six different Hold'em hands every at every table. You know what I mean? So you try to four table and it's like, oh man, I'm 24 tabling right now, you know? It's like, it's, uh, it's 24 separate Hold'em hands. This is hard to read, right? And then uh, I do think, uh, I, I do want to learn new games, but it, uh, first of all, there's not really that much money in it for me. Uh, I, I don't even play poker as much as I should. Like, most of my money comes from, uh, like, my day-to-day, like, expenses and stuff like that comes from, uh, you know, just doing the lessons. I mean, it's stuff like, I mean, I've explained this on the show before, but it's like, when I was playing like 400 NL, like back in the glory days of that, like when I was, a lot of my money comes from this one like Russian site, like this Russian facing site that did really well, right? And my win rate at like two, four, actually, even at like 510, it would be like a buy-in is what I'd find out. Like, you'd make, like, a buy in a day, and that, that was still pretty insane because your hourly was something absurd, right? Like $70, $80 an hour, whatever it was, right? But I found out I was making, like, $100 an hour at 2-4 no limit, which is obviously insane, right? But, like, the most I could play per day was, like, seven hours, right? Because it's, it's just so intense. Like, every, you know, it's a lot of tables, and everything's flying, all the time and you gotta you know you gotta really time your players you know when's this guy gonna snap when is he when is he gonna snap and uh you know like uh, i can make that now in like three hours of coaching right you know what i mean like so it's uh I, you know just out of uh financial necessity i focus more on the consulting side of things and that's done really well and that's been really i, I also enjoy it a lot and i've become a much better player through it and uh like, literally, if I go to Potlim in Omaha, I'll have to start at, like, 50 or 100 NL. And, like, even if I get really good at it, let's say I get really good at it, right? My, I, I, I'll literally be making, like, 15 bucks an hour if I'm, like, the sickest, you know what I mean? Even as I start moving up. So there's very little financial motivation. Now, just as somebody who enjoys poker, I, I want to get into it. And, like, I, I even recently I took a stud eight lesson to learn about it. And it was very, very interesting. And it was, uh, I ended up taking a ton of notes because I realized I knew nothing. Right. But, uh, it's, it, it's one of those things like right now, my life is so entrenched in poker and it's just all day, every day. Like literally this is my schedule for the next probably six months. Right. Wake yeah. up at seven thirty AM, uh, by, Seven seven thirty, right? By eight o'clock, I'm uh, coaching and probably coaching twelve twelve. Have lunch from twelve uh, thirty to four thirty. Write uh, for the new book, poker book. Then break from like four thirty to like five thirty. I like run, maybe maybe do a short run, maybe like a two mile run, lift a couple weights. 5.30 to 8.30 or 9.30, play, play poker. And, play, you know, play No Limit Hold and play the stuff I'm going to get paid to play, right? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get my deals and whatever if, you know, I'm sitting at the Hold'em tables, right? And, mm-hmm. like, you, t- you take that schedule, you know what I mean? And you go, do you want to add another poker game? It, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it sounds fun. It's... And I mean, like, I've learned a lot from, like, playing different games and stuff, but I was never, I was always the guy in, like, when I was, like, playing live for a living uh, in, like, home games and whatnot, I was always the guy, like, let's keep it no limit hold'em, right? I traveled with an Asian kid who could, like, figure out any game in 20 minutes. I'd still be asking what the rules were three hours later, so it's never, it's never really been my forte. I think I'll... (coughs) I think that uh, in the future, I, I think once I, you know, I mean, I, there is a point in life I, I want to slow down a bit, which is, uh, you know, like the house is paid off, the back taxes are paid off, I have some money, 
and savings, you know what I mean? And like, I can take it a little easier and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, my wife and I can have some kids and we can, you know, raise them and whatever. And then when I have a little more free time, I think I'm going to tinker around with other games because that's kind of how I got good at No Limit Hold'em is I was in a financial spot. I didn't really need the money as much anymore, so I could experiment a lot. And right now, like, uh, I, I just, you know, like every dollar is on deck, man, doing something. So <laughs> investing in other games does take its toll, you know what I mean? So, well, it, you know, in the future, I, I think I'd be really into it. I like Deuce the Seven Lowball. I'll play that sometimes. But, yeah, that's about, you know, it, I, don't, I don't really play that much. In my process for doing it, I always read everything I can about anything. I mean, th this goes for No Limit Hold'em, like, when you go to a different variant as well. Like, if you go to No Limit Hold'em, read everything you can and try to break it down into, like, four or five things you think are, the, you know, work from big to small. Uh, big to small. What are the, what are the like concepts that will really open up everything uh, for you? Don't focus on the really nuanced like river shove or whatever. Just the, what what are the things that you see every winning player doing that really works out? And if there's an outlier, if there's a guy doing really well, and he does something different. What are those different things? And see if you can understand why they're working. Because if you can, I was able to do this with No Limit Hold'em when I was like 19. There was a German guy uh, who, who was just killing the games. And I would just watch him and I couldn't figure, you know, uh, it just seemed like he was throwing chips around. And finally, I, you know, I figured out, oh, what he's doing is, he realizes other people are stealing, so he re-raises. So I, I remember having this thought. I was like, I guess that's a re-steal. You know, like, I didn't know what it was. I didn't see it. Nobody really used that word back then, you know? And it was it, it was something you'd heard of, but it was something like Daniel Negreanu and Phil Halmuth were supposed to be doing to each other, you know? Like, it wasn't something you expected to see at $50 tournaments. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty... Uh, uh, it, th that's kind of what you want to look for. Who's the outlier? What he's doing? Break it down into like four or five concepts for the normal, and then you know just hammer on them through a lot of practice and low, low stakes. Make sure low enough stakes you can make mistakes, and uh, also, but still high enough stakes that uh, people are taking it somewhat seriously. Okay, that's uh, good advice. Let's uh, do one last question, Alex. Sounds this good. the first one back. Uh, let's go for this one. It's from Gareth Jackson. Uh, hi, both. Oh, that's the first time someone's... Hi, both. That's quite funny. <laughs> I like the uh, name Gareth, too, man. A, a severely underused name. All right, let's get into this. Uh, just recently found the one-hour podcast, and I've been listening to some of the back catalogue. So far, I've really enjoyed listening to the nice balance of banter and poker info. Particularly enjoyed the episode where you discussed slash ranted about the email someone sent complaining about how long you spend ranting at the beginning of each podcast. Found that ironically amusing. Anyway, my question for Alex. I've been a recreational player for years. Made a little money in the 180s a few years ago, but a wife and child has meant I can't commit hours without some form of interruption. So I've been making the transition to cash, but I'm struggling to get ahead of the curve. I've decided to focus on my education rather than just playing. I'm paying myself to study, but looking for some advice on best approach. I'm partway through the mental game of poker and mathematics of poker. I've looked at pre-flop ranges, opening 3-bet calls, 4 and 5-bets, etc., but not sure about how to go about constructing post-flop ranges, balanced or exploitative, and more importantly, what to do on the turn and river. I know this is a little long, but to summarise, how do I educate myself on post-flop play in a mathematical way? Cheers, keep up the good work, really enjoying the podcast, Gareth. Great, great question, Gareth. Uh it, one thing, uh, going back to the beginning of your question, playing without interruptions, uh, this is an extremely important, uh, I, I, I don't even know if this is part of your question, but I, I really applaud that you picked a game that doesn't, you know, distant, it doesn't get as uh, interrupted 
as much like if you're deep in a tournament and somebody interrupts you, it's very difficult. If you can, Stephen King once had these rules for writing, uh, a writing space, and uh, it was like you need a place to write. And the second piece of advice was then you need to shut the door and be in there. And really, like I put a, I did something kind of different when I got this house, which was I had like a little enclave in my house that uh, I was like, oh, that'd be perfect for an office, right? And it was like right next to the living room, right? So I put like I put like bookshelves there, and I put like all my like my PS2 games and my my books and you know just like lots of stuff like. And, uh, you know, I was thinking I'm going to have this big, expansive office, right? And then, you know, I put my wife's practice in the back. Like, we built an entryway, we built a new door, and we put my wife's, like, therapy room in the back. And I thought that was separated enough. And I didn't realize, you know, uh, Costa Ricans have this wonderful habit of where they will not leave a message. But here it is socially kosher to call four or five times in a row. Uh, so like when they need something, they'll call four or five times in a row. And then, uh, also there's people had to, sometimes they couldn't go through the back way. Right. Uh, I, for one reason or another, like you have to walk through this nice little outdoor path. Uh, but sometimes like it'd be raining or something. Right. So people would have to walk right through my office and then people would, you know, Hey, you know, we got to, Hey man, how you doing? I'm like, can't really talk right now. And it's like, Oh, how rude, you know? <laughs> like, And, uh, I, I really, I just rented out a new with my wife. We just rented out like a new place because like we had to separate it, you know, the clinic. And it, it's kind of a bummer because we built the back area. We built a path. We built a waiting area, you know, like actually construction workers and everything. And, mm. you know, we're, is she still going to use it once in a while? But it, it's not not as much anymore, right? It 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 is kind of cool because my buddy who's a producer was looking for a place too, so he's renting out a place there too, and uh, you know he's gonna live there and like watch over it. So like I don't have to pay security, which is awesome. But also I can be like I own a studio, you know, like as a joke, but not really. But it, I, you really do have to separate it, and even some of my most. Uh, <coughs> Like, even when I lived with other poker players, uh, <coughs> even when I lived with other poker players, eventually I would just go into my own hole uh, because if that's what I had to do, that's what I had to do, right? Like, I never, I never, you know, it was never really as conducive to great play as we thought it would be moving in with each other. So if you can just find, like, a little place to play in, you know, uh, this was a big reason I left my home as a kid is I, I realized that was how I was going to make my money. But uh, my mom was kind of tripping at the time, not really in the greatest frame of mind. She'd like bum rush my room. And, you know, it was kind of, it's kind of hard to play when she was, you know, you need to do this chore and da da da. So I moved to a garage in the ghetto and I loved it, you know? So it's like, it can be anywhere, you know, you just, uh, and you gotta, you know, you gotta stay firm with the family. And it's, I've dealt with this too, where it's like, you know, they respect your boundaries for a week or two. And then, you know, you're being nice and you answer a couple questions. Then they have a couple questions more. And, and you gotta, you got to be firm. You know, you got to be like, hey, hey you know, I'll, I'll tend to it. But this also takes a little more sacrifice from you. You know, like I got to, you know, I, when my wife and I got like date night, I got to really be on my game. You know what I mean? I'm not, I can't like call for a pizza and be watching Sports Center. You know what I mean? Like I, I should, you know, go get the treated meat or whatever, like the, marinated mean like make, make something you know in the house or something right but yeah and uh going on to uh the second part of your question how do you figure out post-flop ranges um that's really going to be the focus of the focus of my book uh that's going to be coming out is like top to bottom like how i analyze poker and it's really not going to be pretty much every poker book i've seen is like situation specific which irritates me because some of the situations like never come up like ever. So it's like, it, it really is. It's just entertainment. It doesn't really do a whole lot for the player. Right. It just ends up 
it, it, that kind of bums me out where I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to go big to small. Like if you understand this, you can decipher every check raise, right? But there's a wonderful video out right now uh, that's free by Split Suit. And uh, you just Google Split Suit Flopzilla and it's like a 30 minute explanation on how to use Flopzilla. Flopzilla costs $30 and I think he walks you through like a check raise and a continuation bet and some basics. Uh, after you get those down, uh, you can watch my training videos on Card Runners. Uh, card Runners, if you use promo code free month, all capital letters, that's the specific code they gave for the one outer people. It's normally $180 to sign up for Card Runners. They get made it $30 for you guys. So that is, to give you an idea of how much they like us and how appreciative you should be, uh, that's pretty cool, right? Now, and, uh, it's two months access for, to 2,000 plus videos, promo code free month, all capital letters. But you can see, you can see me like going to the river with some of my analyses, right? With Flopzilla and stuff like that. And uh, I also use a tool called Card Runners EV, which I'm, I'm still, I'm taking lessons for this. Like I, the creator of the system, I like, I, I, I shoot a video that's 30 minutes long, right? And I send it to him and I'm like, did I use it right? And he, he'll literally be like, Second 27, you entered something wrong. The rest of the video is worthless. <laughs> and I'll be like, wow, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm not kidding, right? But it's been really cool because we go back and forth and I've gotten a lot better at it, right? And, like, I try to break it down in simple-to-use uh, terminology. And if you want a deal on either of those, Flopzilla or Cardrunners EV, write me at assassinocoaching at gmail.com. I know the dude. I can, you know, we can figure something out. But, uh... That, that, that stuff is really helpful for figuring out post-flop because once you get to post-flop, it's really hard to count all the combinations. And uh, having a uh, calculator like Flopzilla do it for you is just much more easy. And, you know, it's 30 bucks. It's really nothing in the grand scheme of things when it comes to poker. Like, Flopzilla has, like, changed my life. Like, I, I cannot tell you how many cool plays I've done since I got into Flopzilla. Like, at the WSOP a couple years back, I called an all-in jam with King Jack High, and everybody at the table, like, just, you know, did the whole, like, fake vomiting thing when they saw it. I turned my hand over like it was the nuts, right? And the guy, you know, I was like, I, I told him, if you have a pair, you got it. And he was like, are you joking? And, uh, you know, he showed the Mr. On a call, but then I went home on Flopzilla and I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure I was right because I've done a lot of these. And I, I sure enough, I checked, I was just barely ahead, right? Just barely ahead with all of his missed draws, right? And I, I would have never made that call in a million years before Flopzilla, you know? I would have been like, it's King Jack High. Are you serious? Like, and then, you know, that that's the stuff that's really fun. And then, uh, yeah, we're probably, uh, I'm trying to think of if I have any specific article that's really fun. If you, uh, uh, but really, you kind of need to see the videos on how to use it. And there's going to be more coming out on Card Runners. I have my How to Study series, which is I, it just every like month or two or sometimes every couple of weeks, depending on what the tournament schedule is. I just show you specifically how I study something. So there's one that's just specifically on study method. There's one on, like, raise, uh, picking up blinds. And I think uh, future ones are going to have, like, you know, how to calculate a check raise, how to, how to calculate a flop raise, and stuff like that. And it's going to be uh, – I, I think it will be pretty fun. And, you know, there's PowerPoints, and then there's hand history examples. And I, since I'm a pretty typical person, I'm not really one of these – uh, like whiz kids when it comes to poker, I have to break it down to really simple terminology for myself, which means when I teach it to you guys, it's pretty easy to understand as opposed to like, I don't know, like when jungle man tries to describe something, I get the idea. Like, I don't know. It's just like Stephen Hawking trying to ex <laughs> explain quantum physics to me. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm trying, but I'm not getting it. So yeah, man. Uh, hope that helps. Okay, and that's all the questions we have time for this week um, on our first. Although we've been churning them out, those ones previously been listened to were recorded. So this one is the 1st of October today, episode 60. 
and all barring gremlins and machines and if this didn't record <laughs> uh, then this should be out tonight uh, on the 1st of October as well um, Alex how do people get in touch with you for private coaching consulting chats etc uh, write me at assassinalcoaching at gmail.com you want to get in touch with me about anything and guys new prices for lessons I'm going to start loading up on the lessons because you know, I, I, I just enjoy it, man. I'm doing, I'm doing more of it, and I'm enjoying it. And uh, what we're going to do, we have, a new, we have a new deal. We have two different types of lessons, right? If you want the introductory lesson, which runs like 75 minutes, uh, it, it's $210. But that also includes, like, as a new perk, uh, you, what I do is I review your database. If you have a hold manager or poker tracker database, and I can identify what your specific leaks are. I give you a brief theoretical explanation of what we're going to do. And then I, can, I will send you some of my webinars as a gift, as part of the, the package, right? So you can get, like, let's say you're struggling with three betting and out of the blinds, I'll send you dissecting the bong, dong bet, the bong bet, dissecting the <laughs> dong bet. That's a check raise fool and you flat too much. You know, whatever I think uh, you need for, like, follow-up. Uh, and, you know, if you don't, it, what it, you know, you can request what you want. We can figure it out. Essentially, uh, with the, you know, if you buy the 210, uh, like, full lecture, that's a, uh, you know, we'll work with you, try to get you what you want. You know what I mean? And uh, also, if you just want to do a hand history review, like you got specific hand histories you want a second opinion on, uh, it, or you want to watch through a tournament hand history with me, that's just 150 per hour now. And we have group lessons now where it's like $200 uh, capped, right? It used to be, depending on the number of people, we changed it. Now it's just going to be $200 and capped. And you and four others, so like if you and a group of guys uh, discuss hands, and you, you guys want some direction, uh, I can come in and do a lesson. Like, it, it'll, be for, it'll be $40 for each review, and I'll come in, and we can, you know, that's lecture or hand history review, whatever you guys want to do. And if you, wanna, if you want more information on any of that, write us at assassinalcoaching at gmail.com. We have a lot more hours opened up on the schedule. You can check them out if you go to pokerheadrush.com. There's uh, it, you can go to private consultations. Uh, just click on that and see what's going on. Uh, be sure to check out PokerHeadRush.com. Just anyway, that's a, uh, that's like my fun site. That's like all the blogs, all the me ranting about like horror movies from Chile and stupid crap like that. But also like the battle raps and uh, the the trip the trip reports and uh, hand, some, some hand history reviews, some strategy and. Uh, be sure to check out the America's Card Room blog. I, I got more articles coming out on there. Sign up for America's Card Room through our link. Get 27% rake back. Uh, that's, that's for you guys. I don't get a bunch on the back end of that. But I, I want you guys. They gave me, you know, it's one of those things I could offer you just so you sign up and I pocket your rake back. Or you guys can get rake back. And you guys help me, so I, I try to help you. So if you sign up and get the rake back deal through us, I, we got a couple things going on right now. Sorry, guys, longer plug session than normal, but a lot of this stuff is pretty sick. Uh, you sign up now. You get the 27% rig back. You write us at assassinalcoaching at gmail.com. We confirm you deposited. You got to sign us your sign-up name and your email. Uh, we confirm you deposited. You get a free copy of one of our webinars, which is essentially like private training videos. That's a check race fool dissecting the donk bet, why Pisagno is right. Uh, are you flat too much? You get you can your choice of one of these, and if you register for the there's four Sunday million uh, there's four million dollar tournaments coming up right in uh, the month of October. You sign up for one of these, and we confirm that you played it. You get another you get another uh, webinar. And if you, you can sign up for all of them and get every free webinar if you so desire. But you've got to let us know. You've got to write us at Assassin's Coaching, say, I pre-registered. I plan on playing it. And, you know, we compile it, you know, in America's card room. 
uh, it's just going to hook it up. You get that 27% rig back. Just go on the rewards tab. Check it out. And, yeah, also be sure to sign up for Card Runners, promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters. Uh, be sure to tell somebody about this podcast. And, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter, at The Assassinato. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's just about it. Sounds good. And if you have questions you want to ask Alex for free, uh, then I can hear myself coming back. Luckily, it's not happened all the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can't now. It's fine. It's oh, cool. good. Yeah, if you, have, if you have questions for Alex uh, on the next show or future shows, email them to questions at com, tweet at com, or join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash outer and send them in that way. Um, any way that they get to me, they will be read out on the show. Uh, until next time, we'll see you all then. Cheers. Cheers. The dates for the next Million Dollar Sundays are locked in. Wondering what a million bucks looks like? Every Sunday in October, America's Card Room is putting $1 million guaranteed on the table. On Sunday, October 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th, we're bringing our famous Million Dollar Sunday, a $1 million guaranteed poker tournament with a gigantic $200,000 cash prize for first place. Don't miss out on your biggest payday yet. AmericasCardRoom.com